The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Good day, good day, good day, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Sands fan. And this week on the show, we have three games to recap from last week, where the Suns went 2-1 and one over that stage, and then a big week of basketball games for the Suns. Five games, three on the road. We're going to be previewing those, and I personally think this is a big stretch of games for the Suns to see what's really going on this season. So I'm looking forward to previewing those games. Follow us on Twitter at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. And as I always say, please... Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review with a comment, and you will get that shout-out on the show. Engage with us. Um, I want to give a shout-out just at the top of the show to at Comic Evangelist on Twitter. He won our trivia competition prediction thing that we do. Uh, we asked how many points Devin Booker would score in the game against the Lakers, and he had 19. Comic Evangelist predicted 19 so shout out to him for winning that. We'll continue to post those questions on Twitter. So engage with us on that one. And whoever's closest will get a shout out on the show. And quick note on Comic Evangelist. He's from Tasmania, which is really cool. So shout out to all of our fans from Tasmania. Didn't know we had fans in Tasmania. So that's cool. You know what? Hopefully there's a whole bunch of new Suns fans all over the world who are starting to buy in. I hope that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So here, this is what I'll do. This is my challenge to you. If you have bought in and if you believe the Suns have turned a corner and are actually a good team, I want you to go on iTunes, leave a five-star review and a comment, a re- like a written review, and let us know the Suns have turned the corner. And I'm going to shout out everyone who does that. If you don't do that, then I'll just know that you don't believe in this team. <laughs> You're not a true believer. That's, that's that. Okay, let's get into these games. And last week, we sort of were a little behind on being able to do the Nets game due to some scheduling issues. But we'll break that one down quickly since it was a little while ago. But... The Suns, this might be the most dominating performance of the season so far. Uh, a nice 138-112 to 112 victory. Uh, after losing a game to the Heat, something said, you can say about this team is they, they bounce back after losses. They've proven that this year after each one. So very optimistic for the team when they come back from an L and really dominate a team like the Nets. Yeah, I think... You know, you said this is the most dominant win that the Suns have had this season. I would argue this is the most dominant win the Suns have had since, like, 2009. Could be. So, yeah. 
I, I would have to look back at all of our games since then. We've probably had a couple blowouts since then, but this was a great game. We pray, played really well and bounced back after a, a tough loss, which was super nice. Uh, the, th- the first thing I want to highlight in this, though, is Cam Johnson. He had 15 points off the bench in 19 minutes. He shot 6 for 10 and was 3 for 5 from 3. This was Cam Johnson's best game of the season up to this point. Don't worry, we'll talk more about him. But it was so cool to see him come out and have a great game like that. We really lacked a lot of bench scoring against the Heat. And to see Cam Johnson come out and have a great game was really cool. Absolutely. Cam's really been kind of turning it up lately. We've been seeing those minutes pretty consistently around the 20, sometimes over 20 lately. And that's uh, that's a big step for a rookie, especially the way we've been throwing rookies in in the past. And maybe they didn't deserve those minutes. He deserves these minutes. He's a knockdown shooter. He plays hard. He plays smart. I love everything about the kid. And maybe he hasn't quite surpassed the draft day smack talk that he received and that we received for grabbing him so early. But give this kid some more time. He's mature. He's smart. He's getting a feel for this NBA game. And I see big things for him. Yeah. I mean, I was wrong. I was very wrong about everything I said about him when we drafted him. Well, we knew he was a good shooter, so maybe not everything, but he is really playing well these last few games and looking more like a steal rather than a mistake, especially when we see guys like Jarrett Culver struggling. It's, I think we might have made a pretty good decision with Cam. Absolutely. Yeah, he's been a blast to watch lately. And then... His uh, brother-slash-cousin, Tyler Johnson, he's been playing great (laughs) off the bench for us lately, too. And especially now that we've seen the Suns move to a nine-man rotation, Tyler Johnson's playing a little more point guard now. And he's taking care of the ball, he's scoring, he's doing a little bit of everything. We've discussed this before, but uh, we like the steady rock that Tyler Johnson's been for this team, and especially the bench. Yeah, he is... Depending on foul trouble, oftentimes the first guy off the bench. Lately, we've been seeing Frank come in a little earlier than than planned, probably. But I think the intention is for Tyler Johnson to be the first guy off the bench. Right. So we had those two guys in double figures off the bench while each starter was in double figures. Just beautiful game all around. This is a game where the Suns forced 17 turnovers by the Nets. The Suns only turned it over eight times themselves. We shot 52% from the floor. We made 19 three-pointers on 45% shooting. This was just a big game. And your leader, Devin Booker, with 27 points, 10 for 14 from the floor, 4 for 5 from 3. Everything was clicking in this one. And this one shows how Devin Booker can be dominant when he can get his shots this way, he looks so good. Yeah, games like this really shut up the people who say Booker is an empty calories scorer and he's not efficient at all. His last few games have been super efficient. And you want to talk about efficiency? Plus 40. Booker was plus 40 in this game. Now, we've discussed this many times on the podcast before that plus minus can often be a deceiving stat. Hmm... Today, I'm going to ignore that. 
<laughs> right. And then it's rare to see a plus 40 in a plus minus stat. That's pretty wild. And then Rubio just behind him with the plus 37. Rubio was dynamite in this game too. 22 points, 12 assists, four rebounds. He was 10 for 16 from the floor, two for four from three. And yeah, we discussed this last week when he has it going on offense, this team looks really, really, really good. And you know, when he doesn't have it going on offense, that's when someone else picks it up. If you can't tell, I'm excited. It's, It's, oh, definitely. Rubio is putting up some of his career best numbers right now. This whole system is a perfect fit for the way he plays. And just a reminder, all of this is still without Aiton. Yep. No DeAndre Aiton. It's just going to get better. Ooh. So, speaking of this. I know. (laughs) All right. So, the next game was against the Lakers, and we did lose this one. And we're talking about DeAndre Aiton, and I have something to say in regards to this game. We ended up losing 123 to 115. And it was completely due to getting bullied down low by the Lakers. They have a lot of size on that team. And I think the big turning point in this game was the third quarter where JaVale McGee comes in and just kind of dominates. He, he put in 11 points. He didn't even play 11 minutes on the whole game. But that stretch right there just really, really broke the game kind of open for the Lakers. And yeah, I'm missing Aiton for exactly this reason. Yeah, that made it tough. I think that in combination with just a little bit of miscommunication and poor execution at the end of the game made it tough for us to win. We got up by two with three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, had a little bit of momentum, and then just lost it. And right when we had the opportunity to get the game tied or to go up by one, we would have a stupid turnover. Like Dario Sarge stepped out of bounds off an inbounds play when trying to do too much with dribble moves uh, outside the three-point line. Little things like that just really piled up, and then we ended up losing by eight points. Right. And while those little things were piling up is when LeBron James really kind of took over the game. He got hot in that fourth quarter and in a game where you held LeBron in check pretty well, eight for 18 from the floor, finished with 19 points. He really took over towards the end. He was minus two on the night. So it seems like we did a pretty darn good job while he was on the court, even though I don't know. LeBron's a great player and does so many things. Just because he's not scoring doesn't mean he's not doing anything. I know that, but we did a decent job against him until that fourth quarter. Right. I think a lot of times, I know I'm this way, sometimes I forget how good LeBron is. I think a lot of people can be like that because he's not the best player in the league anymore. I think it's safe to say that it's either Kawhi or Giannis, and then LeBron kind of comes after that. But that's still really, really, really good. LeBron is still one of the best players in the world, and what he's doing, especially at his age, is really incredible. So have to give him credit for that. We did everything we could to hold him in check, but he's still LeBron at the end of the day. Absolutely. And then Anthony Davis, too. He had 24 points, but we made him work for those 24 points. Nine for 17 from the floor. And they are such a tough matchup for us without Aiton, especially. 
I, I can't help but be optimistic about what's going to happen the next time we play when we do have Aiton back. But, you know, I'd say we made LeBron and AD really work for their points in this game, but that's when we kind of let guys like JaVale McGee and Avery Bradley and well, Kyle Kuzma had a great game. But yeah, we let the, those guys are the ones that won them the game. Right. And I think the only reason we were really able to slow those guys down was because of Kelly Oubre. He had a lot of defensive assignments that were pretty tough. And on the offensive end, he really suffered from that because he had one point, one assist, four rebounds, but he didn't hit a shot. He hit one free throw. He actually was a zero in the plus minus, though, which, you know, second best on the team after Mikhail Bridges, who was a plus two, who was another guy who had to guard LeBron at times. So, you know, he did everything he could on the defensive end and just really couldn't get get it going on offense because of it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And then even Cameron Johnson gets put out on LeBron James in the first quarter of the game, and that's a welcome to the NBA moment for him, I'm sure. That's pretty crazy. Right, right. He, I mean, I want to shout out Cameron Johnson again on this, though. He didn't get embarrassed or anything. He did everything he could to guard LeBron, and that's a tough guard for anyone. And Cam Johnson did the best he could and held his own. Didn't get exposed or anything. Right. You know what I think about Cam Johnson, too? I think he's a guy, the kind of the kind of guy that has maybe last missed a free throw in 2016 or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so pure. I, I don't know. I don't have his free throw numbers for the season pulled up. I can't remember him missing one, but he has to be pretty pure from the stripe. I'm really excited to watch this kid's career go. Yeah, he's got a really nice stroke. Uh, I want to talk about Frank Kaminsky, though, because he was the bright spot in this game. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 7 for 10 shooting, 2 for 3 from 3. Frank got his groove back, like Hmm. the Emperor does in the movie and it was nice to see Frank get back on track because he really needed this game. It was a a blessing in disguise for us because Frank got back on track and in the the next few games we needed him and he was, he was helpful. So that is the, the pro of all of this. Absolutely. And this is a game where it's a little tough to play Frank Kaminsky anywhere just due to, the size they put out there at center and then having AD and LeBron out there as well. That's not the ideal Frank Kaminsky at center kind of night, but he, he, uh, he showed on the offensive end. I, I can't really remember him getting punked on defense either. So maybe I'm, I should just eat my words, but well, I, overall, I, mean, I, I, I love what Frank's been doing. Right. And I remember during this game, there was a point where I said, maybe we need to bring Diallo in just for a few minutes when AD gets really hot. Just have Diallo come in and be a big body and maybe hammer him once or twice. We didn't do that, but that's kind of what I was hoping for. Yeah, we're sticking pretty tight to this rotation. It seems like, I don't know, if we still see the nine-man rotation throughout next week, maybe we'll have to talk about that on the next episode. But 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah, Diallo could be uh could have been useful at times in that game. And then looking forward to even a game like the Celtics where they start uh Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at the three and four. That's gonna provide some matchup issues for us because Sarich is gonna have to guard one of those guys. I wonder if yeah. we we dabble with something different then, but we've talked about that before and it hasn't happened yet. Monty seems pretty pretty strict to what he's trying to do, so we'll have to see. Right, because this at the beginning of the season we talked about there could be some potential matchups where we start Bridges and Ubre when we face teams with two good wings like this, but you know. I at this point I'm not anticipating us doing that and we'll still start Dario cuz Dario's back on track too offensively. He's been looking nice too. And yeah, let's just move right into the Hawks yeah. game where Dario did have a good one. 23 points, he was 9 for 12 from the floor and when Dario has it going, when the shots going, we have so many weapons spacing the floor that Rubio pick and roll, Booker getting to the rim. There's always someone open. And it seemed like in this Hawks game, Dario was on the receiving end on a lot of that. Really nice night. Uh, If Dario can keep playing like that, three for five from downtown, uh, this team is going to be really successful. Right. And the final score of this one was 128-112. And really, it wasn't that close because we brought in all of our end-of-the-bench guys and only scored 24 points in the fourth quarter. But we had a great third quarter. After we we kind of struggled a little bit in the first half and things were close. You know, at halftime, um, we were up by, let's see, we were up by six at halftime. Uh, but we really blew it wide open in the second half, which was nice. Um, the Hawks were hitting quite a few shots. Trey Young had a great first half. But we were able to hold him to four points in the second half and really just blow open the game with our offense, hitting a lot of threes, as we've been doing all season. And Dario was a big part of that. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about how we kind of wrangled Trey Young in this one. He did get it going. They were running the pick and roll. He had the floaters going for a good chunk of the game. Never really shot it well from three against us, which we can be thankful for. He was one for six in this one. But we just started trapping him on pretty much everything. The We weren't defending the roll man very well early, and then we just pretty much abandoned it, sent rotation on the back end of it, and just trapped Trey. And it did work decently well. He did turn it over a few times in those situations, but... You got to think if they were to have John Collins back, we probably could. I don't know if we can quite do that if they have a little more weaponry out there. But in this case, it was very successful for us. And I think that did allow us to blow it open a little bit in that third quarter. Yeah, it it was it was helpful to make that adjustment on defense. Uh, We also noticed the Hawks getting a little bit frustrated. They had. Um, Cam Reddish got ejected from the game because he had a double technical. And no, that was Bembry uh, that got the Bembry. Bembry got he blocked Rubio, stood over Rubio, yes. and started smack talking. Got a T. That's right. That's wouldn't, right. Wouldn't quiet down and got the second ejected. 
That's um, right. But then Reddish, he shoots elbow first is how he tries to do that. Like when he was driving into the lane, he was leading with his elbow and it connected with two of our guys' faces on two different plays. And that's two flagrants and see you later. Right. That's what happened. Yeah. So he had two separate flagrant fouls and got ejected, which, you know, I noticed Hawks fans were pretty frustrated and mad about this saying it's stupid, but those are the rules. If, if a guy takes an elbow to the face, they're going to call that a flagrant one every time. That's just how it is. So, sorry you don't like the rules, Hawks fans. And the Hawks fans really upset about Eddie Johnson in this game. Did you see any of that business? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I have never was... seen... I. I haven't seen like a quarter of comments that poor about Eddie Johnson since I've been watching the Suns over the last few years. Right. Quite a few years, but yeah. Um, Eddie is a pretty beloved commentator, even by non-Suns fans, but Hawks fans just didn't understand, I guess. Do I want to? I don't want to go in on Hawks fans there in the East. I don't even really care about them. Well, okay. So if I take their perspective... They were salty because of officiating, I think. And we have been on the opposite end of this many times. So I do understand that frustration. There were there were four or five charges that we drew that were they were pretty weak, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I'm getting a little bit tired of watching us take charges. I know it works. It's just not very enjoyable to watch. Fair. So I, I do understand their frustration. Yeah, that's I can agree with that. This is the second game of the season where the foul total has gone in our favor. So maybe we're not going to be the most sympathetic when it happens to the opposing team when they play us. Maybe that's what rubbed me the wrong way. But yeah, yeah, no. I don't think the Hawks were expecting to win without John Collins anyways coming into right. coming into the stick especially. I know. That home court advantage. It's been loud. It really has been loud. And Kelly Oubre comes back with a huge game after his stinker against the Lakers. 30 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 10 for 18 shooting. He also was 8 for 10 from the line. He got to the line a lot, which was nice. We're a pretty good free throw shooting team this year, which is really nice. And then Cam Johnson, once again, 15 points. And Frank had 19 in this one. You know, guys had it going. Yep, it's a beautiful thing when the whole roster kind of has it going like this. But to be fair, Tyler Johnson... To be fair. Tyler Johnson (laughs) didn't have it going on offense, but, you know, five assists out there. he, He did his part and... Ended up being plus 22. So, yeah. can't complain. I can live with that. I can live with that. Right, yeah. And yeah, back to Kelly, though. Leads us in points, rebounds, free throw attempts, free throw makes. We're tied with Booker for that. Tied for leading the team in steals. It was really nice. And, you know, especially after he, after that game, he, he kind of called himself out on social media, said, I'm sorry, Valley boys and Valley girls. It won't happen again. <laughs> and then, see, when he said that, I thought to myself, okay, man, you really got to bring it this game because you can't you can't do the apology, say it's never going to happen again, and then 
throw another stinker out there. But obviously, just a beautiful game from Kelly. And I've never been sold on Kelly Oubre. I think that's been clear since we brought him in. He's yeah. he's growing on me. He's starting to grow on me. And I've been sold since day one. Yeah. And he continues to grow on me. But you know who else continues to grow on me is the big Croatian, Dario Saric. Not me, Dario. <laughs> um, Dario Saric had 23 points and six rebounds in this game. And he was nine for 12 from the floor and three for five from three. So that means he missed one two-point shot in this whole game. So he was on fire, and it was great. He was really due for that. I know he can be kind of a streaky guy, and that's okay. We've shown that we can win games without him scoring 20 or more. But when he does, we're going to blow teams out. I want to see him dunk, though. Yeah, yeah. He had the opportunity, and he laid in probably the most European finger roll I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah, it was very Euro, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, one more thing. I have a bone to pick with our fans at the stick. I'm glad we're rowdy. Oh, yeah. But yeah. why are we booing Alex Len? Alex Len didn't do anything to us. It, it's our fault that we drafted Alex Len fifth overall in the draft and expected so much out of him. He's He should have been a, a late first-round pick or maybe even a second it's all about that. At the time, it was so much about potential, and it seemed like maybe a decent idea to take him, but that's that's our fault as an organization, not not Alex Len. He never right. did anything to Phoenix to for us to be upset about. Can you think of anything? I can't. No. He yeah. never really said anything negative. He, he went out and gave his all, and he just wasn't great. Yeah, if you want to boo Eric Bledsoe or Trevor Ariza... Or the Morris that's brothers. Way. That's oh, a different yeah. story. And that's if Josh exciting. Jackson, if Josh Jackson ever makes it back to the NBA and he shows up in Phoenix, I mean, I hope that Boo Birds are out strong that night. But yeah. Alex Len did nothing wrong. Right. And he had a good game in this one. It was kind of cool. I would have rather had the crowd sing that, coming home, I'm coming home. I would have yeah. rather had that than the booing. 10-minute tribute video before the game, too. Missed opportunity there. A compilation of all of the perfect passes that he dropped. Hey, he's top 10 in Suns all-time blocks, though, if I remember correctly. Wow, that's sad. Big Lenny some credit there. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you. There's no reason to boo Len. I'm happy for him. I'm glad that he has found a good fit in Atlanta. Like, I love that we won that game, and I love, I didn't love it. I like that Alex Len played well, despite all the boos, the unnecessary boos. He had a good game, and but we still won, though. That's all that matters. Yeah. Okay, let's move it on. Talk about some game previews. Big week in Suns basketball. Five games. The homestand comes to an end. There's three on the road. And after last week, where we had, it was two or three games, Playing five games in seven days, that's going to be a a big test for us. And it starts off against the East-leading Celtics, who at the time of recording are 10-1. and I believe they're playing today. So this is going to be interesting. And I talked about earlier how we were going to match up on Brown and Tatum. Maybe we start Bridges. 
that's interesting. But otherwise, I really like how we match up with this team. Uh, Rubio versus Kemba is going to be fun to watch. Booker versus Smart is going to be fun to watch. I think we have the edge at center with Baines over Thies, or Thies, however you say that last name. Mm-hmm. But that the 3-4 matchups are very interesting this game, and I want to see how we roll with that. Yeah, it will be interesting to see Baines face off against his old team, for sure. The Celtics are much better than expected. They're also in the East, though. I really think we're going to win this game. I know they're good, and that's fine. We're good, too. Yeah, I think ESPN has us projected by a smidgen to win this game, which I found very interesting, but then again, it is at home for us, and... We're a decent team this year, which is still new to me. But yeah, um, I think this game, though, I think Devin Booker is going to score 70 points. We're going to win. And Bill Simmons is going to just end his uh, media profession. He's just going to quit. Yeah, that's the dream. That is. <laughs> score oh 70 and a W this time. And if he just does any solid damage against the Celtics and we win, I am going to love it. I'm going to just like every every tweet that's directed towards Bill Simmons for about a day after that game. I'm going to be reading them all. Oh, yeah, it's he's really been eating a lot of his words. The whole thing about how being with Team USA would have been more beneficial and how, oh, working with a five nine trainer. Yeah, that's better. Well, whatever he did worked. So, yep. All and right. then he goes on and tries to defend. I listened to Zach Lowe's podcast with Bill Simmons, and he tried to defend himself about that tweet. And I wasn't calling Bill. You know what you did. Own up to it. You were wrong. Yep. He's a professional sports journalist. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's never wrong, apparently. I can own up to being wrong. I was wrong about Cam Johnson. I've been wrong about a lot of things. The only time I've ever been wrong is when I suggested that Brandon Knight could be a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever been wrong, though. (laughs) All right. Let's keep it moving. A lot of games next week, so the next one, we finally end the homestand. We travel to Sacramento to play the Kings. We matched up with the Kings game one of the season with DeAndre Ayton. We played very well against them. We we did some work in that one. Do you expect that to happen again this time with no Ayton? And are they missing the Aaron Fox? They right are now? missing Fox, yes. So the Kings, the Kings are back to their usual ways, which... Is, it's it's unfortunate. It's sad. I liked seeing them be successful for teams like us and them, for these, you know, bad teams for the last few years to turn it around and to be good. It's a little bit sad, but yeah, they're just terrible this year. And I don't think they really stand a chance because De'Aaron Fox is their best player and he's out. Right. This is the, it will be a back-to-back, though, since this game is Tuesday. Luckily, it's not a long trip. Sacramento's not too far away, so that won't be going too far against us, I'd say. But I see us winning this game, too. Yeah. Yep. It should be hopefully an easy win. 
But, you know, second night of a back-to-back and on the road, you never know. Right. Let's just blow out the Celtics tonight and then rest our starters the entire fourth, maybe the entire second there half. There you go. There you go. And yeah, then Booker we'll be ready for 70 and a half. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think that's reasonable. What is that, like three points a minute if he plays the entire half, something like that? Yeah. He could do so it. He, he could probably get to like 140 in the first <laughs> half if those were the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this may be a little too homerish right now. Are we going too far? Just a bit. Just a okay. bit. All right. <laughs> we'll reel it back in and talk about this Pelicans game. Uh, back home for the Pelicans on Thursday night, so we get a game off in between, a day off in between the Kings and Pels, and this is a a bet game for us. Yeah. So friend of the show, Josh Cranwetter at Josh Cran on Twitter, the man who had his Thanksgiving potluck at his office last Friday. Oh. He sent me a great text. Said that. It was it was a little before five o'clock on Friday, and he said he had turkey at the Thanksgiving potluck, and he was crawling toward the finish line. Wow. We've all been there, brother. That's right. Ooh. So, Josh comes up with these questions to keep us uh, unbiased, and Josh asks in this game against the Pelicans, how many assists will Devin Booker have? All right, so. It seems like Booker is pumping out the assist this year at a pretty steady rate. What did he have? Seven last game against the Hawks. So I'm of the opinion that I'd like to see Devin Booker do a little more scoring than uh, distributing at this point because I think Rubio does a great job. So ideally, I'm going to guess that Booker has six assists. And I just hope he scores a bucket load, though. Right. So his average this season is 5.9 assists per game. His last four or five games, he is between seven and nine assists. So I'm going to go with eight. I'm hoping that maybe he'll get a little bit more. He's going to be guarded pretty tightly, double teamed quite a bit and be forced to kick the ball out. And now that we have Dario Sarge and Frank Kaminsky and those guys kind of in more of a groove, I think he'll get a few more. So I'm going to say eight assists. All right. And you just made a good point. A lot of pressure has been coming to Booker, especially the last two games. And the last two games, he's been turning it over too much. 12 assists, 12 turnovers in the last two. So... I really, I we did mention this last week too. He's been getting a little sloppy with it, and yeah, they are pressuring him very closely. So I'm with everyone else. He shouldn't have been complaining about getting double teamed in the off season open gyms. Yeah, I don't, I don't even <laughs> want to talk about it. I think it's irrelevant at this everyone point. Everyone was right, um, Mitch. They were all right. <laughs> he should have just shut up I and don't, played basketball. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I never really had a strong opinion one way or the other on that one. So like I could see both sides. Uh, I I don't I think that I think we'll be okay. You know, the 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 Pelicans are an interesting team. They have had some injury issues, 
but they have some pieces that could be pretty decent. Brandon Ingram is really coming into his own. Lonzo Ball, when he's healthy, can be a great defender. At Sunny and PHX Pod on Twitter, go ahead and send in your prediction for how many assists Booker will have. And at the top of the episode next week, I will shout out whoever's closest. Now we'll move on to the second back of back to back of the week. The first game is in Minnesota against the Timberwolves on Saturday. And this one, you know, at least we're getting a day off in between these travel days. The NBA schedule isn't too brutal to us at this point. But, yeah, we got the Wolves on Saturday, Nuggets on Sunday. How do you think we we fare against the Timberwolves? Carl Anthony Towns is pretty solid, and we don't have Aiton to match up with him. Yeah, these are going to be tough games. The T-Wolves are better than expected. Andrew Wiggins is playing really well right now. Carl Anthony Towns is playing well. This could be tough. Not having Aiton is going to be hard. I mean, all we can do is hope to get Towns in foul trouble. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. And maybe keep Andrew Wiggins contained. I'd say that's a good bet. He's been having a... Nice bounce back year. I've never been a huge fan of Wiggins, but that guy gets smack talked so much. It's nice to see him at least play to some sort of expectations that people have for him. Yeah, he's not like my favorite player or anything. He's fine. Uh, I think some of his criticism is unwarranted, but I understand where people come from. I'm happy for him having a good year. I don't, you know, I'm pretty neutral on him so it's it's cool to see but that's going to be a fun matchup between him and Ubre or Bridges or just our wing players little Cam Johnson here and there maybe absolutely yeah we have the guys to throw at him unlike Cat in this one so hopefully we can keep Wiggins under control and not get beat by Cat right yeah that's pretty much what it comes down to yeah. And then the Denver game is going to be kind of similar to that. Now, Jokic is struggling. He is not playing nearly as well as he did last year. The Nuggets are still a good team, and it's 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 tough to play the Nuggets on the second night of a back-to-back. This one's in Denver, too, right? Right. I was just saying that the schedule hasn't been too bad and then realized that we've played in Denver twice in our first 16 games. Was the right. first one part of a back-to-back, too? It was, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So, that's pretty wild. That's, I mean, this is probably as close to a scheduled loss as we're going to get. So it's it, – we're not going to win them all. If we win this, then great. You know, the first time we played the Nuggets, we only lost by one, and it came on a somewhat questionable call at the end of the – game or non-call I should say so we know we can do it it's just you you can't win them all so right and one thing I like about Nuggets games is the Devin Booker versus Jamal Murray matchup I I'm not a big Jamal Murray guy I'm not a big fan of his maybe because of the little rivalry between him and Booker but we've seen Murray kind of get the best out of Devin in recent games, if my mind serves me correctly, and I'm not yeah. too happy about that. So I'd really like to see Devin take this one. If if Jokic isn't having a great season at this point, uh, 
I'd really like to see Devin Booker dominate this game. And when they talk about it the next night, it's led by a Devin Booker headline, not a Jokic or especially Murray headline. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Okay, so the Suns are he- are seven and four heading into this week of basketball. We have five games this week, and like I said earlier, I think this is a really important week for the Suns early on in this season. What do you think our record's going to be after this week, after these five games? Well, I think we're going to win three. I think we'll win the Boston, Sacramento, and New Orleans games. And then I think we'll lose to Minnesota and Denver. I think those are going to be tough games. So that would put us at 10-6. and six. Yeah, I have to say I'm kind of penciling in 10-6 and six too. That Nuggets game is going to be rough. I just We just talked about it, but second game of back-to-back up in Denver, that's that's tough. I'm, I'm more worried about the Celtics than the Timberwolves, though. The Celtics are just so nice all the way across the board, while the T-Wolves still have some gaps in that roster. But that's starting five the Celtics put out. That's that's pretty solid. So It is solid, yeah. I it's, think... I'm gonna, I think it's going to be interesting. Three and two. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how we come out in this game because we've had three days off. And we had two days off after the Miami game and we destroyed the Nets. But we also had two days off before the Miami game and we got destroyed. So it's going to be interesting to see what it's like with all of this time off. Right, and it, we can be thankful that we are getting this time off before this pretty rough week of basketball. So that's that's in our favor yeah. for sure. So okay. yeah, we think we both think that the Suns are going to be ten and six after this week, and quick math tells me that's a fifty win season. That if we maintain really that pace, if we maintain that yeah. pace, that's a fifty win season. No one expected anything like that. I think the most optimistic guys had 40 wins for the Suns. Right. So if we're on pace for 50 at this point, that's incredible. And well, I- I'm glad to be yeah. here along for the ride. Definitely. I mean, the West is also just wide open in general right now because of injuries, like with the Warriors, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, teams underperforming. The West is wide open right now. And we are performing well at the right time. We need to keep it up. I just saw that 538 now gives us a 73% chance to make the playoffs, which is weird to say out loud. Yeah. That was just 50-something a week ago, right? Right. So, so it continues to week, rise. Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful sign. Absolutely. But it is now time to move to the non-sports section of the show. We are a little past halfway of November, and as you've probably noticed as you go to places, you're probably seeing some Christmas decorations and hearing some Christmas music. I know I am. What do we think about this? When The question is, when is the appropriate time to start playing Christmas music and to start decorating for Christmas? Okay, Let's break it into this. I believe it's more reasonable to put up decorations before starting the music. Do you agree with that? Okay. 
Yeah, I think I agree with that. It's it takes a bit more effort to to put that stuff up. It's pretty easy to just press play on a song. Yeah, and I'm kind of talking like there's there's only so many Christmas songs. If you start bumping that too early, it might you get tired. wear out. It's, yeah, it might yeah. get worn out a little <laughs> bit. So I'm I, I like putting up the decorations and then. You know, as we're getting a couple of weeks away from Christmas, that's when I I can start tolerating the music. Yeah. But I think... So I... So I I take this in a slightly different direction just because of the religious element. So the season of Advent is the four weeks before Christmas. Christmas. So that's when I start everything. That first day of Advent, or maybe the day before, that's when I'm putting decorations up. I've got a six-foot tree that I put up. I decorate that. I've got some stockings. That's when I put everything up. I slowly ease into the music. Um, I'm not a big fan of Christmas music because I've played in so many different jazz groups or whatever, um, and I've played so much of that music that I get tired of it very quickly. There's still some songs that I like, uh, but for the most part, I kind of ease into it. And I also uh, do Christmas after Christmas Day. So like the 12 days of Christmas, many of you probably know this, but the first day of Christmas is the 25th. It's not the 12 days leading up. The first day of Christmas is the 25th. And then the Epiphany, which is January 7th, that's when... uh, that's the last day of Christmas. So I'm celebrating that season all the way to the Epiphany in, in January. Then that's usually when I say I'm going to take my decorations down, but it never happens. <laughs> I was going to say it feels pretty normal for a Christmas tree to be up in my house through a good chunk of January. Sometimes all of January, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And My goal I'm, is usually to have it down by the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I think my wife and I uh, spat about this every once in a while, but I like the tree to go up no earlier than Thanksgiving. I know that's a thing. Some people have their houses decorated for Christmas during Thanksgiving. But me personally, I really enjoy the fall decorations. The pumpkins and the oranges and the brown. Like, I like that stuff. So I'm all about that. I I like the things. Yeah, you. Mitch is showing a nice little... Is that a miniature pumpkin or a gourd of sorts? Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Gourd season. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. (laughs) I wish we were on YouTube for this, guys. It's just... It's beautiful. I like that stuff. Maybe maybe I'll I'll post a picture on Twitter. Yeah. Get a screenshot right there. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that looks like a thumbnail for a YouTube, like some crappy YouTube video. You know what I'm talking about? Where yeah, they, they put the face like right up to the camera. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll go on the gram for sure. Nice. But speaking of the gram, please make sure to follow us on social media at Sunny in PHX pod. That is Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and yeah, like Mitch was saying earlier, please give us a review on iTunes. Hopefully a nice review. We 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 try to do a nice show for you guys. We appreciate everyone listening. And yeah, big week in Suns basketball. 
It'll be a fun one to watch. Five games in seven days. Big week. Big meaningful week for these Suns. So, as always, tune in next week and go Suns. Thank you.